Welcome to Jesus at the Table. The podcast where we have real conversations about the spiritual journey, cultural issues, and big theological questions. Well, welcome everyone to Jesus at the Table podcast where we talk about our spiritual journeys and cultural issues and big theological questions and where we try to do all of that um, as if Jesus, the Jesus that we find in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as if Jesus were at the table with us. And um, so today I think we're going to have a great conversation. Um, As we mentioned in the last couple of episodes, what we're kind of doing as we launch the podcast is we are taking on a bunch of one-off topics. And uh, to kind of give you a flavor of what the podcast is going to be like as we go along. And then after we spend uh, six or eight weeks doing these one-off topics, we're going to come back and do a deeper dive into some of those things where we might take three or four episodes and kind of do a deeper dive into into one topic. So um, today my guest is Bishop Randy Dean from Forest, Wisconsin, up near the Twin Cities, who yeah. is a longtime pastor. I met Randy through a mutual friend of ours, Bishop Nolan McCants, who lives near me in my area near Chicago. And what's become obvious uh, is Randy and I have gotten to know each other a little bit and uh, kind of followed each other on social media stuff is that we've been on uh, similar journeys in in terms of trying to find a more Jesus-like faith. And I'll introduce our topic in a minute. But before I do that, Randy, it's, it's great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. I'm honored to uh, join you in Chicago, Chicago, sweet Chicago. I, I have so many great memories because of Bishop Nolan. So yeah, thanks for having Bishop me. Nolan. Yeah, and I'm grateful, he's... and I'm grateful that through him, you and I made this connection. You right, know? right. Because because as we've been on this journey, as you know, you're kind of always looking for kindred spirits. You know, right, uh, right. Yeah, yep. people are on that same journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you and I are in that same age neighborhood. Am I right? You know, late sixties. Uh, I'm, si- I'm I'm sixty one. So oh oh, you're a child. Uh, <laughs> I am I am a mere child. Thank you for I'm reminding 70, me. All right, so yeah, yeah, all right, there you go. All right, all right. So uh, Randy, why don't you just take a minute and tell sure. us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your uh, ministry background, and that kind of stuff. Well, I am. Um, I'm a lifer. I've been in ministry since I was 19. So wow. you can do the math. You know, I, wow. I, I went in, uh, when, when I came into ministry, being a bivocational minister was forbidden. You know, you, you throw mm. all in and I did, I just came in all in and, uh, and I've been a hot mess ever since just trying to <laughs> navigate through that. So I, um, I, I, I came to faith in high school, came to uh, my calling in, in my late teens, took my first uh, youth pastorate down in Texas. I'm from Milwaukee, so okay. I'm kind of a neighborhood guy for you. And anyway, yep. I took my first youth pastorate down in Texas when I was 19, and I was with the Assemblies of God back at the time. Lots of respect. I tipped my hat to my family there. Uh, I didn't stay there long because I'm just not a joiner. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a company corporate guy. It's yeah. just never been my MO. So um, so for 50 years plus now, I've been in church ministry. I, um, I've also done a few other things, like I wrote a book in 2011, published to a publisher. Very proud of that. I spent 18 years on a public uh, 
public school board. Um, mm. A great treasurer, six six runs through the electorate through that, and uh, chaired that board for about oh, I think it was six eight years at the end of it. And I got to tell you, it, it was the um, is going to be part of what we'll talk about today. The superintendent who was on at the time when I won my election was terrified of me because I was a local pastor and I was a local evangelical <laughs> pastor. Mm. And at the time, there was a couple of evangelical groups running what they called stealth candidates through local elections. Uh, and yeah. he had been warned. So right away, he comes to me straight on. He said, so tell me, Reverend, are you one of those evangelical fundamentalists? Yeah. And I, I, I'm so glad I paused and I said, I don't know. Why don't you tell me what you think that is? And then I'll tell you who I am. There you go. Well, and that's a great he, answer. And, and it turned out to be the genius of the next 18 years because he completely trusted me. Yeah. And, and he trusted me because I said, I'm not here to wave my Bible at you. I'm not here. I'm here to make you look good, to make this school district a success, and you can trust me. And I don't ask you to just believe that. Watch me. And, well, we became fast friends. And when he retired, he um, – he, he read my book. He waved that book around like it was the best thing since pancakes. That's and, awesome. Um, and yeah, so it, it, it became a real part of my story as a pastor. I pastored yeah. locally here for 30 years. And uh, just about four years ago, my wife and I said, let's step out. Uh, there's a lot more out there outside the church than there are in the church. Let's go seek the, the one out of the 99. So we call them, our congregation now is called Spiritual Refugees. There you um, go. And so we're, we're reaching those folks. I do a part-time uh, spiritual care director for a spiritual program retreat, which is a 12-step AA group. And uh, it's a real honor to be with those folks. Uh, they keep me real. You know, and when I when 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 the false me shows up, they, they get up in my grill, and that helps me <laughs> a lot. So that's a, that's a short take on me. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of great history and a lot of and a lot of beautiful ministry like like you. I have a a long and varied history of of ministry and have been doing this a long time. Uh, you know, we could do a whole podcast. You know, your story about the about uh, the school district superintendent and all of that. We could do a whole podcast on right how how Christians break trust through through sneaky agendas. You know, exactly. Uh, uh, I mean, oh my gosh, and and we're seeing that trust broken across our culture at right. breakneck pace these days. Right. Um, and, and you I, and I, we may talk about that today or I call another it episode. I call it BS. BS. <laughs> Bait and switch. Bait and switch. That's right. And that's what we do. Yeah. 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 That's right. You know, I didn't know you originally from Milwaukee. So my yeah. parents were both, uh, grew up their entire growing up years were oh. in Milwaukee. Yeah. So, um, my dad's parents, North 149th Street, North North yeah. Milwaukee, and uh, my mom's parents lived at Logan Avenue and Kinney Kinnick, uh, oh, down wow. in Bayview. Okay, yeah, I know. yeah, I, down in I'm, Bayview. I'm, I'm a North Milwaukee boy. Okay, yep. all right, okay. So I have a lot of fond memories of the childhood trips to visit grandparents. <laughs> I always loved Milwaukee. So, yeah, uh, good. So, Randy, it seems like in recent years, both. You and I have moved more toward a faith that I would describe as, or seeking a faith that I would describe as centered more in the heart and the ways of God that we find specifically 
revealed in Jesus. Theologians right. would call this a, a crucicentric faith, right. you know, uh, a, a, or a Christocentric faith, a Christ-centered faith. And I want to get into what that means and, and where it takes us, but I, I want to start at a place that maybe is a little bit more provocative. Um, sure. You and I both have a long history in what we would generally call like the evangelical stream of the, of the faith. Mm -hmm. And my guess is that somewhere along the line, um, some of the, the things that characterize that kind of faith, your faith or the movements that you were a part of, uh, started to strike you as not, not Jesus-like enough. Yeah. And, right. and, uh, so can you just talk about that, your journey of even beginning to kind of awaken to, hey, maybe there's some disparities be between how we're thinking about this Christian thing and, yeah. uh, you know, and what I see in Jesus? Well, um, I, I go right back to the very moment I was driving my car to a pastor's meeting. And uh, it was an evangelical group, and they had asked me to come teach or speak for a couple of sessions. And I was in one of those moods, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't want to pull something canned out of the book. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it I, was a, I get that. Yeah, you get a little windshield time and you're, you know, you're just thinking. And this this phrase, I'm, I, I kid you not, this phrase, 2013, this phrase jumped in my head, post-evangelical Christianity. Mm. I had never heard that. I, I, I just can only attribute the, the lonely car drive and the Holy Spirit, and and it just hung in my mind. Well, I went to that evangelical group of pastors, and as you can well imagine, yeah, it was uh, you know the, the response was okay, uh, but my heart for me, I don't I, the response from them wasn't the point for me. It triggered me to go after what I felt uh, a mutual friend of ours or acquaintance, uh, Brian Zahn, said, I, I, I was feeling the falseness. I was yeah. feeling the, yeah. the hypocrisy amongst us. And I mean, I'm owning it for me. And I just needed, I needed to dig that out. So 2013 is where it started. Then uh, again, another mutual friend, Bishop Nolan, he said, hey, I'm doing a conference. I want you to come up and speak. So I said, can I do it on post-evangelical Christianity? And uh, <laughs> he put, <laughs> put me in front of a whole room full of folks they ate it up and, and it was out of hunger, out of a mutual sense of, yes, something's missing. And our pursuit of being evangelical, again, not to pound at it and be negative about it. Right. But we've got to adjust that, you know, and hold the whole evangelical notion is only about a century old, really, truly. So, so yeah. So let me ask you this question. <laughs> Can, can you think of something specific that was one of those places where you were, because I love that phrase, feeling the falseness. Yeah. Uh, I know that phrase, too, from Brian Zahn. Uh, right. Where were you feeling the falseness? What didn't, what didn't feel right? Well, so much of what just kind of the core value of it for me was we, were, we weren't being as honest about speaking to the big, wide world around us. Uh, mm. If we and if we did, it was in a crusade style. It was yeah. that you know, and, to, and we borrowed from the worst possible language to speak to our world. Crusade, uh, yeah. And I, I'm saying we, 
Uh, yeah. And we spoke as us and them rather than yeah. the, the mass of humanity. Right. Uh, and so, and I saw that in my church, I saw that in people that I had been discipling, I had imparted that. And it was, it was disappointing in my heart because I didn't come out of a Christian background at all. My, my home hmm. life with mom and dad and my brother was a, a hot mess. Uh, North Milwaukee for us was a consistent nightmare because of drugs and alcohol. Okay. To that end, when my family found faith, we were we were we were raw. Uh, we came in raw, if that makes sense. Yep, yep. And and my dad, truck driver all his life, was not interested in uh, looking good, sounding good. He came in as a bad guy. My mom came in as a queen of codependency, and my brother never came in. Uh, and into that church environment uh, because he was the identifiable addict amongst us. Anyway, all mm. that to be said, I mean, my brother's phrase is this. Yeah. If you want me to go to hell, fine, I'll go. My friends will be there. Mm. Now that betrays what we had done. You, you right. hear what I'm saying? We right. had developed this notion that it's you guys and all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then I, then I read the you're, gospels. You're you're all going to hell. You're all bad. Right. You all need to become moral like us. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. And 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 yeah, that whole it's it's funny because we talk today more about how this tendency we have to other people, right? Exactly. But, but in a sense, as Christians, we our worst temptation is just to other the whole world and and put up this wall. Whereas when we read the gospels, we see Jesus passing right through that barrier with people right seamlessly right into, seamlessly right into their lives let's i'm coming right. to your house for dinner you know right. he says um, about the roman centurion this guy right here has got more about faith than all you other folks in in church incorporated <laughs> this guy understands it roman centurions were mafia guys i mean these right, were bad right, dudes right, right. and jesus yeah. said i like his that's, faith yeah that's how you make church people mad <laughs> right yeah exactly yeah. So, so, uh, and I've, I of course have had very similar experiences slowly over a very long period of time in my life where I, you know, different things would arise where I would look at how we talked about God and how we viewed people. I remember one time many years ago in a sermon, I referred to everybody in the world as my, uh, brother and sister in Adam, you know, in our common yeah. humanity. Uh -huh. And a woman came up and read me the riot act after church because those people are not your brother and your sister, right? <laughs> we are the saved Woman. and they are the unsaved and we're the good Woman. and they're the evil. And, Woman. you know, and how do you, how do you come alongside someone, love them and reach them and help them if the first thing you do is make sure they understand how evil they are? Yeah. In your well, eyes. And our conversation is, I'm right. You're wrong. Let's talk. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. No, nobody, nobody yeah. wants to be a part yeah. of that conversation. I think that lady left your church and came to mine. I think <laughs> because so, I had the same experience. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm sure, I'm sure you have. So, um, so, you know, it might sound like we're being critical to start with all no, this talk yeah, about, uh, right. you know, the ways that we've seen the church and ourselves slip into things that don't look very much like 
or sound very much like Jesus, but it is a good segue into our topic. So let me ask you this. Where do you hear Jesus and the New Testament writers clearly or even loudly <laughs> telling us that Jesus himself is where we get the great clarity about what God is like? John chapter one, right away. I mean, within two or three verses, John one is one of those poetic beauties, you know, in him was light and there was no darkness at all. But mm -hmm. in John one, right away, it says, and I, I mean, I've been reading the Bible my whole life. And just about four <laughs> years ago, I saw this phrase in John one, I think it's verse three, Jesus explains God. It's right there. It's just in black and white. Jesus explains God. It yeah. is, it is this, this, aha moment that blows some light into the cavern up here and here that we have to go from there so when jesus said uh i and my father are one it's not a it's not a uh trinitarian necessarily ex uh explanation he's saying me and god are like this yeah if you've seen god me you've seen god right, right. well now right. now i've got a whole different measuring stick just on those simple words of the whole Bible. If it doesn't look right. like Jesus, it's not the word because right. the word is Jesus. And the word was with God in the beginning, John one, right. um, another place. And, and I love this one uh, right away in revelation. It says who Jesus, who is and who was and is to come uh, right. Hebrews, Jesus, same yesterday, today and forever. So, this is what I like to do with people, just to open a conversation, especially our right. church friends. I say, right. who's Jesus going to be when he comes back? Yeah. Is he is he going to be mad? Is he going to he went up to heaven to get crabby and come back and he, you know he's he might, he's going to kill? He might still be he might still be Jesus. Oh no! no really? <laughs> Healing you, people, you, forgiving people, just right. spreading love everywhere. I, yeah, that's it, a that's a boy. We could have a maybe you and I'll do that sometime. We'll have a, a we'll have a conversation on here about eschatology because yeah. that's a whole interesting thing. And you know, it's like we get taught this stuff, and we say, well, that that must be the way it is. That when Jesus was down here, you know, it was all this compassion and mercy and <laughs> healing and restoration. But when he comes back, he's he's going to come back, and and he's he's going to kill millions of people, and he's going to oh. you know, and you're like. And somehow you get taught that, and and at least for a while, you don't feel the falseness, you don't sense the disparity. But then at some point, you go, I, I don't even, I don't even like the Jesus that's coming back. Then, right? <laughs> right. Um, it's not the guy and, I met. Right, it's not the guy I met. Right, I'm, I'm glad that's not who he was when 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 I met him. You know, talking about these passages, like uh, uh, I think about, and I think you were kind of um, maybe giving another another rendering of it, but I was thinking of the verse in John, maybe this is what you're thinking of, the one where he says, um, no one has ever seen God. Right. Right? But but God, the one and only Son, has made him known. Or the verse <laughs> that we, um, my people are probably tired. It probably comes up in every other one of my sermons. Oh, but boy. <laughs> I, yeah, right. You know, there's, there's, there's those few verses where you say, if nothing else, I want my people to know this and so I'm always quoting to them uh, Hebrews 1.1, where, and, and right. you know it, where, where the writer says, you know, in the past, 
God spoke to our fathers at different times in different ways through the prophets, right? And he's basically saying like, I accept that, of course. Yes, God was yeah. speaking through the prophets. Then he says, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, who is the radiance of his glory in the exact representation of his being. And you go, what? <laughs> and there it is. And there it is. Uh, exactly. And, and uh, well, the road to Emmaus, after the yeah. resurrection, Jesus trips in on a couple of guys walking away from Jerusalem. He pretends he doesn't know what just happened. Right. And, and then he starts opening up scriptures. And now this is something we... I think have just paid kind of a light attention to, but it said in that seven mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus, he started walking through Moses and all the prophets. Wouldn't you like to have a recording of that conversation? Oh my gosh. Can't even imagine. Where he talk about mind blowing. He walks them through everything Moses talked about, everything the prophets talked about, and he gave them, uh, an understanding they never had, and then he had he broke bread with them, and their eyes went what? Yeah. So they they got a short course in what we're talking about here. Well, not a short course, but yeah. a magnificent course on yeah. the opening of the word. That if it doesn't look like Jesus, what are we trying to read into this other than Jesus? How about let's yeah. dig into so much more than what we normally do. Another pet passage is uh, no one comes to the father, but through me. Well, then we use that as this is the way you pray the prayers, how you get to be saved. No, you don't, you're not going to get God. I mean, as in get God, unless you look at Jesus, that's how you get God. That's how you get God. Yeah. 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 Um, So I think when we talk about this, well, I know what I was going to, I wanted to say is, um, in the streams of faith that you and I have traveled in, when people yeah. say the word of God, everybody says, oh, that's that's this book. That's that's the <laughs> Bible. And and I'm comfortable speaking about the Bible as right. the word of God. But what's interesting is that what the New Testament writers hold up as the primary word of God is not a book, but a person. It's right. Jesus. Right. Right. In the right. in the beginning was there or in Revelation. And on him was written a name, and that name is the Word of God, right? Right, um, right. And, and so it's just interesting that we've gotten that kind of out of sync. Like like on that Emmaus Road, Jesus was saying, hey, re, you know, read the Bible with me. Hear the story of the Bible with, with me, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. um, anyway, so um, I can see a lot of people listening to us on this yeah. podcast, this conversation, and us saying, um, well, you know, us saying Jesus is the revelation of God, and that's how we need to understand our faith is we've got to get Jesus back in the center. And I can hear a lot of people saying, well, we're Christians. Of course, Jesus is 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 in the center. You know, that like we all think that, don't we? Right. Uh, but my question for you is, where have we embraced ideas about God or ideas about how we behave that don't look and sound like Jesus? Or maybe a more pointed way to say it would be, what have we slapped Jesus' name onto Ooh. and called Christian Ooh. that doesn't necessarily look and sound like Jesus? Yeah. Well, have you got three or four hours? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, me- well, I, I said earlier, my wife and I, uh, we've gone to the one that left the, the hundred. 
and listening to spiritual refugees, folks that have fled for their lives from church, uh, from the brick and mortar, or they've been tossed to the, to the curb. When you listen to their stories, it's, it's shocking. What, what, like you said, the name of Jesus gets slapped on it. And these dear folk are, are just human, human beings seeking a spirituality of authenticity. So one of the things we've slapped on Jesus, and I'm going to say the P word, politics. Yeah. We've, we've made Jesus into this white nationalistic idol for America. If, if only we could get America back to her historic biblical roots. And everything yeah. in me starts to just cringe. Because then yeah. I'll ask questions. Which, 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 which biblical would that be? Uh, when slavery, when we were, when we were seeking to exterminate my mother's family, the Native Americans, uh, where, where are we at with that? So yeah, we've slapped the name of Jesus on the existence of our nation. I love America. You and I won the, the birth lottery, right? We, we were yeah. born here. Absolutely. I, 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 I can still weep when I say the Pledge of Allegiance. Right. And we but have the, gratitude for that. Hundred percent, and yet in that, if we have made Jesus this this blanket um, okie dokie on everything we are, it's terrifying. Yeah. So if if you read the prophets at all, honestly, the prophets part of their nationalistic notion with Israel, the prophets were brutal with Israel. Yeah. <laughs> they consistently yeah. say, right. "Stop it! Take." Take all these ceremonies you've got and just throw them away. You yeah. aren't getting the point here. Yeah. I'm, I'm shortening yeah. this to say that's one of the biggies right now that yeah. has just crippled us. It, and we've seen it. We've seen that particular one with, with politics and Christianity in the last several years. Yes. Uh, sort of bloom like, like never before. You're talking about the prophets. I think of Amos, right? Let, let yeah. justice roll down like a river right. and mercy like a never ending right. stream, right? Right. God says, Hey, man, this is the stuff that I care about. Another thing I think about that we've slapped Jesus' name on, I'm curious what you might say about this is I, I think we've slapped Jesus' name onto a lot of judgment about specific other groups of people. Yes. We've identified yes. Uh, many groups of people. Right. Uh, whether we're talking about, um, we could be talking about Muslims right. or Central and South American immigrants or right. folks in the LGBTQ community. Yes, sir. Or if, or if yes, you're evangelical, sir. maybe it's Catholics or it's, you know, oh. whatever. Um, and, and so have you, I feel like I've seen that a lot. Do you feel like you've, you've, oh. you've observed that heavily coming out of the church? Absolutely. So, in, and again, in the current thing that my wife and I are, we call our little, mostly uh, uh, social media, cyber community. We've got a Zoom meeting tonight with some of our spiritual refugees. There, one, of, one of the little crowd, a group in that crowd is uh, moms and dads of, of children, adult children in the LGBTQ community. And these moms and dads are crushed uh, by the church so othering those dear folks. Uh, some, some of that uh, group that we love are just holding mom and dad's hands who've, who've had to walk away from church because the church was so miserably blockading um, that segment of the population. 
Yeah. And and so when I when I see Jesus everywhere he goes, we said this earlier, he's going to the edges. Yeah. He's he's looking up in a tree. If you go to a metaphor about that, our the body of Christ needs to be looking up in some trees right now. Yeah. And recognizing that there's a there's a huge segment of the population in the LGBTQ community. Another one again is Catholics, Muslims. Our our attitude has been so uncharitable, so uh, bitter in a way. Uh, heard it said one time the Catholic and Protestant faith is like a divorce, and and we're the kids of that divorce. Yeah, that's right. And and the rancor and the bitterness is deep in that. I I spoke of a pastors group that I was went to in 2013. Uh, shortly after that. Um, uh, just prior to me becoming a spiritual refugee from that crowd, uh, they, uh, I, I, I was asked to speak again, miraculously, and I spoke about, it was at the time when the, the Pope was here in America, and he spoke to a joint session of Congress. Okay, so I said to this crew, this crew of folks, and many of them are friends, I said, hey, wasn't it exciting this week when a pastor was invited to speak to a joint session of Congress in D.C.? Now, that's the setup. And I looked at this crowd, and they were blank. They they didn't, a pastor? Who? Joel Osteen? Uh, who? <laughs> and, of course, they were thinking immediately in a right. Protestant sense. Right, right. But yeah. the Catholic yeah, yeah. Pope is, he's the pastor of a billion people on the planet. Right, right, And they, right. they did not connect that a pastor right. had spoken yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's not Christian. Oh, yeah, it's I, I heartbreaking. Think, and you know this. I think when we when we X out these other groups of people, yeah. what we say is um, that we're there's there's nothing we can learn. There's nothing oh. reciprocal. There's nothing we can learn from any of these people. And I'll give you a couple of recent really good examples. Like um, I have a trans woman who comes to our church, and the first time I had coffee with her, and she's she's been in church her whole life, in evangelical type church. And the wow. first time I read, had, and she's been on a, a an interesting journey, obviously, but the first time I had coffee with her, what I discovered is that she was one of the most theologically well-read people I've ever met. And wow. I was like, you know, but you write that person off and you're not gonna know. Or last week I was having coffee with uh, really my one Muslim friend <laughs> and his name is Muhammad. And I was oh, having coffee awesome. with Muhammad. And we were, yeah, isn't that, and we were talking about God. And he says to me, I think what people forget is that what God wants to do is recreate people. And I was Ooh. like, I, I looked at him and I said, well, now you're talking my language, you know? Exactly. And uh, so anyway, exactly. anyway, boy, we could, we could go a lot of places. So, oh, yeah. Ah. Uh, I'm going to skip a little ahead in where we're go going ahead. to go because obviously we everybody who's listening to this conversation can hear how all this has changed your heart and yeah. my heart for for people. So right. and we we touched on this a little bit, but I just want to talk a little bit about how has putting Jesus, the Jesus of the Gospels, back in the center of your faith, if God really is like Jesus, it yeah. makes me think of you mentioned Brian Zond earlier. I love that Brian Zahn uh, bit where he says, yeah. uh, God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. There has never been a time 
when God was Never. not like Jesus. We did not always know this, but now we do. Right? Right. Right. And so so with that in mind, how has this changed your view of the wrath of God? When we oh, think my. about the wrath of God or the violence of God. Right. Right. Uh, God does violence only to what has been wounding us. God does mm -hmm. violence on the, the woundedness of addictions and and the woundedness of our sexuality, the woundedness of, uh, again, the the brutality with which we've all been treated. God will do violence to that stuff because it's killing his kids, all right. of his kids, all 8 billion of us down here, and plus all those that have been and those that are coming. So, and that violence, though, is not the violence of bloodshed and, and tearing limb from limb, but it's the violence of the magnificence and the significance of love. When mm. love shows up, it, it, it'll, it'll divide a room uh, when real love shows up. Uh, and I, I love it when people say, well, you got to have tough love. My answer to that is, baby, love that is love is tough all by itself. Yeah. And the, the love yeah. of God shows up where hatred has been a cancer in the soul's again in the LGBTQ community, the, the transgender community that well with the first name of that community, transformation. Maybe this yeah. is about humankind crying out for transformation. Not maybe yeah. it is. And so the love of God arrives and does wrath on the things that have been destroying his baby boys and baby girls, which is every one of us. I, I love that. The love of God arrives and does wrath on the things that have been destroying his children, his boys and girls. I love that because the picture we've had right. is that God is standing apart from humanity. Yeah. And he's so furious. He's so oh He has so much contempt for us in our fallenness that what his wrath means is that he's out to retributively punish us and perhaps destroy us. Right. Uh, and this has been at the heart of much Christian teaching. So we have seen these ideas about the wrath of God, and we've said, well, that's how God deals with a wayward humanity, is he comes down and he beats the crap out of them. Oh he comes, he come, you know, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and then as human beings, we go, well, we better guard ourselves against him then. Right. So the, the average population hears that story and they run away from us and, and we're all, oh, yeah, they just rejected. They rejected the gospel. Yeah. No, right. Right. No, they rejected right. this this miserably dysfunctional vision of a God who walks in only love. God is love. Love is right. God. He who dwells in love dwells in God. Dwells in God. God. God is love. There's there's not there's not a but at the end of that statement. No, yeah. God is love, but no, God yeah. is love. Period. And for me, that revelation just in the last I would say five years has right. been uh, first it decimated me and then it resurrected <laughs> me. Yeah. Um, and he who loves is born of God. He who yeah, right right right. Oh so my, your Muslim right, friend right. Muhammad, right? If he's yeah. a he's a lover and it sounds like it, I think the man's born of God. Let's, yeah. Let's, so, so, so we say around here, love is the beginning, the center, and the end of this exactly. whole, this whole thing, this whole human journey, this whole Christian journey. So, when we stop, you know, Jesus doesn't come down here and accomplish God's ends by going around and being violent on people. 
Right. And yet we've had this view of God that says it's kind of like God is kind of good cop and bad cop, right? Sometimes right. he's the loving Jesus that we want to snuggle up and be close to and he accepts <sighs> us and he's merciful. But other times yeah. he's he's the God who is going to run around with a sword and, and take everybody out that he's mad at. But when we say, no, 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 God is like Jesus. When we do that, <laughs> what does that do to your theology of the cross? Because what we've been taught oh my. is that what we've been taught is that on the cross, yeah, that God could not forgive us unless right. he took out his wrath on someone. And so he took it out on Jesus. He whipped Jesus so that you could be forgiven. He accomplished <laughs> forgiveness through violence. Yeah. So uh, in my book, Radiance, I, I said, uh, hey, why don't you join our family? Uh, God's only had one perfect kid and he killed him. Uh what kind of evangelism is that? It's it right. is so right. twisted. When when we now look at the cross, we have to admit that here is political power in Rome and stodgy wooden religious power in re church incorporated of its day. They joined together and they butchered Jesus. And in right. the butchering of Christ, and I mean the first sermon by Peter said, and you crucified him. As in, yeah. political powers and religious powers congealed together, killed him. Yeah, it wasn't God. This is this is Jesus absorbing all of that miserable power that we we hang our hat on to this day. He he absorbed it. He looked down at the butchers and he said, "Father, forgive them." This is to yeah. say all humanity. Father, let's forgive this. Yeah. They're not even they're not even in touch with what they're doing. Yeah. So now we can see that God is in Christ dying for Fran, for Rindy. God is in Christ hanging yeah. on the cross, looking yes. at our our preoccupation with human power. And he says, God, we're gonna have to forgive that. That's got to be healed in order for Fran, in order for Randy to have anything left that's human in them. And he absorbs it all. He buries it, hauls it down into hell, and then he ravages hell and then yeah. comes out with the keys. And now and we're here to announce this God died for you. Yeah. This God yeah. is not dying to kill you. This yeah. God was killed yeah. by the powers of human prejudice, the yeah. powers of human short-sightedness. Yeah. And now he comes along and says, baby boy, baby girl, I adore you. Yeah. I'm crazy about you. It's so, it's so liberating to rethink the cross this way. Because right. if you believe that God is this thoroughly self-giving love, but then... He, he has to pour out all, there's some mechanics in the universe where he's got to pour out all this wrath in order to forgive people and that he, he accomplishes the ends of love by wrathful violence. There's a, there's a disconnect there. I was thinking when you're talking about the book of Acts, uh, I think there are maybe three evangelistic sermons altogether in the book of Acts and they all repeat this same concept that we killed Jesus. Right. And in fact, the one in one of them, it says this. I can't give you chapter and verse, but uh, out of my 61 year old brain. But but one of them says this. Uh, 
the prince of life whom you murdered and God raised from the dead. Oh, there it is, right? There. Right, there it is, right? It's God didn't murder Jesus. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The cross is the forgiveness of God. You and know, now, anyway, man. Yeah, he's, um, we're, we're reconciled, the whole world. Let, let, so no. we are we are about yeah. out of time. <laughs> Shoot. So which we're going to have to do this again. So okay. here, here's my the last question I want to ask you though. You and I, and I hope people are catching it. It's revolutionary to come mm -hmm. to this place where you say, "No, God is exactly like what you see in Jesus." Right. Not like not like Jesus is God putting his best face on, but back no. in the in the closet, God has all these other characteristics. God is like Jesus, period. No ifs, no ands, no buts. It's completely right. revolutionizing. It's completely liberating to your faith. Mm. It, it, it puts love and goodness back in the center of, of everything. So here's my question. You and I are on this journey, and I, you know, you and I read some of the same people who are writing about these things, and we talk yep. with other people. But uh, do you think more Christians uh, uh, are getting on this journey of rethinking some things in, in light of really gazing on Jesus again, or is there just a few of us? I mean, do you think this movement in the church will grow? I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. And I'm, I'm hopeful that just below the radar, there is a revolution happening in, in the circles you and I run, you know, whether it's Brad Jerzak or Brian yep. Zahn, who yep. are writing some theologically profound things to give us a footing and a basis yeah. where uh, where so many of us and our generation, uh, like I said, I I, I was never I, uh, a bivo bivocational pastor, mm. and the tragedy of that for me became that I was terrified of saying what I felt mm. because it would cost me my income, it right. would cost me right. my job, <laughs> and. That's that bad news is coming to an end. I see yeah. that all around me. Yeah. The notion that we have to hold things back, otherwise the the uh, the donor base will right. exit. That's yeah. done. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. If ever there was a gig there, that gig is done. Right. So to that end, I think a lot of women and men like yourself and like me were stepping up and we're saying. Uh, I'm going with Jesus on this, uh, yeah. and I'm I'm going to go all in. <laughs> all my all my cards, yeah. all my chips are in the middle right. of the table. Right. And I I believe that in itself is is an attractive force, and that's what yeah. we see. My wife and I see around us. Yeah. There are people coming up out of the woodwork who have who are they don't know to the depth of some of the stuff you and I have had to walk as pastors, right. but they know they know here. Yeah. That there's got to be something better than this, and they're finding it. I'll, I'll add one more thing. All these years of praying for revival, all these years of praying, oh, God, revive us. My friend, revival is upon us. Mm. It's, it's not happening in tents. It's not happening in auditoriums. It's happening in podcasts. Yeah, it's happening it, doesn't, in, it doesn't look like what we used to call revival. Not anything like it at all. But there's happening. something, but there's something that yes. smells and sounds and looks and talks like Jesus, <laughs> right? That is right. that is rising up ever in, so slowly. In us ever the so yeast, slowly. Yes, it's yeah. growing. The, the the loaf is growing, I, 
and and here we are. I I, I feel it too, my friend. And as we, I find in our church community, which interestingly is has been growing a lot in since the pandemic yes. kind of died down, huh. and it's growing almost exclusively with people who are saying. I'm looking for a faith that has Jesus and love back in the center and right. where I can ask hard questions and I can talk about these kinds of things and, and try to sort it out and figure it out. And what I'm finding is, and you know this, as we strip away some of this other stuff from Jesus right. and we say, no, just, just Jesus, Jesus <laughs> is pretty beautiful. He's pretty irresistible. <laughs> like, right. People are like, I want... I want that. Like, how would you like a God who believes that love is everything and that oh. he wants to restore everyone and right. that he wants to pull us out of darkness and brokenness? And people go, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Right. Right. That sounds that, pretty it's good. almost too good to be true. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's why it's called, I don't know, the good news. Right. The what gospel. is that? What is uh, that? Mae West. You remember her, right? You, you're, you're an old guy yeah. like me. Mae yeah, West yeah, yeah, yeah. was a figure yeah. from a long time ago. She said, too much of a good thing is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I feel that, about the gospel now. That's how I be about, feel too, about Jesus. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I'm unashamed of that gospel. Well, Randy, thank you for joining me today and having oh, this conversation. Thank you, thank you I'm, for I'm deeply having appreciative. me. And, deeply uh, so, grateful. And, and, and after this conversation, I think I can say we'll do this again. Okay, so, please. All right, please. Okay, I, I've got and, a few other thoughts. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, um, and we'd love to hear those. And to all of you watching, thank you for joining us today. If yes. you're watching on YouTube, uh, like the video and and subscribe. And if it, whatever podcast app you're listening on, uh, follow us, subscribe to us there. And if you go to our website, JesusAtTheTable.com, you can join our email list. Uh, and if you are interested in knowing more about LifeSpring Church, uh, you can go to our website, which is YourLifeSpring, Y-O-U-R, YourLifeSpring.org. And uh, anyway, thank you to all of you for joining yes. Randy and I for this conversation today. And uh, we will see you next time for more conversations with Jesus Cheers. at the table.